Did you know that the perfect snack exists that not only has the yum factor, because that's important, but also packs a real protein punch? I'm talking about Wonderful Pistachios, a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Now that's a snack you can feel really good about. It's hard for me to currently pick a fave because they have several flavors to choose from, including no salt and jalapeno lime options. But if I absolutely had to, I'd say I'm in my no shells, wonderful pistachios, sea salt and vinegar era. It's the ultimate snacking solution for when you need a quick, convenient and tasty boost of pistachio goodness straight out of the bag. Whether you enjoy the ritual of cracking open each nut or you lean towards the ease of no shells, Wonderful Pistachios has something for everyone. It's time to elevate your snacking game with Wonderful Pistachios. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. I didn't feel free to do anything because I was always like worried something was going to happen or I was always trying to catch up on something over the weekend. Like I just was not my, I lost myself completely. Like I didn't do anything for fun anymore. Um, I didn't know how to have fun. Like my husband would be like, oh, you want to go for a walk? No. Like I just had this, this overarching feeling of dread and like not wanting to do anything. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Brown Girl Self-Care Podcast, a show for Black women who are exploring ways to prioritize their wholeness, health, and happiness in a world that does not fully acknowledge our humanity. My name is Bree. I am the host of the show as well as the founder of Brown Girl Self-Care, and I'm also a self-care coach for Black women. I want to go ahead and get into today's episode. You heard a little bit of the clip at the beginning there, a little tease for you. I was in conversation with Brittany Horn, the founder of Revel Wellness Co. If that name sounds familiar to you, it's because Brittany is actually the sponsor for the month of May for Brown Girl Self-Care. And so I've had her ads um on the show over the last couple of weeks, and you'll also hear it today as well. And so I wanted to have Brittany on because her story. I want you to know that when it comes to sponsors of the Brown Girl Self-Care Podcast, and I was explaining this to Brittany as well, I have people that reach out and they want to sponsor the show, they want to advertise and things like that, but you don't really hear much of that, right? If you do hear that, it's because it was an intentional kind of thing. So I am going to start being more intentional uh, and doing more ads for the show, but it has to be the right fit. It has to be a product that I've used and or someone that I am comfortable with. Like, in other words, I know that they do it for in part for support of black women or it's something that is like a health product that I use or just something along the lines of that. It's not just a random product or person or company that I'm placing here on the show. So I want to make sure that you know that when I do ads, I do them from a place of integrity because that is what I do and that's what feels right for me. So um, I just wanted to mention that, but Brittany, uh, again, is the founder of Revel Wellness Co. And today in the episode, she was sharing some things that we're going to touch upon the nine to five. We're going to touch upon how just this, this quote unquote small act of creativity that she could do with her grandmother tapped into a sense of comfort and consistency with her. And she eventually allowed that to evolve into a business. And we also talk about some of the risks that she took as well as how for a bit she, she was just kind of just chasing money you know, and that didn't quite sit right with her. So we're talking about all of that. Now, one last thing before I get the episode started, I want to let you know, while you will get the meat and potatoes of this episode here on the podcast that you're listening to, the full episode, as well as the actual video so that you can see our discussion as it happens, will be available on Patreon. And I do this because I'm going to keep it real with you, okay? It takes time energy, and money to continue to keep Brown Girl self-care going. I'm a one-woman show. I'm doing it all by myself for now. And so I have to figure out ways to make this sustainable for me. I cannot burn myself out in order to keep Brown Girl self-care going. So if you want to support my efforts, if you want to have exclusive content and more things like this, please consider going to patreon.com forward slash brown girl self-care and 
support the show in that way. That has been one of the hugest things that I could recommend that will help me to be able to continue doing episodes and and creating events and doing things like that, okay? So again, patreon.com forward slash brown girl self-care. Now, let's go ahead and get into today's episode. The first thing that you will hear is Brittany introducing herself, and then we'll take it from there. I'll see you on the other side. Yes, so my name is Brittany Horn. I am the founder of Rebel Wellness Co., like you said, where we make jigsaw puzzles and other mindfulness products, really with the goal to encourage Black women to practice self-care and pour into themselves. So helping them create spaces where they're able to do that and pull away from the craziness of everyday life and just have peace, unintended. <laughs> What'd you say? Because it cut off a little bit. A moment of peace. A moment of peace with peace puzzle pieces. Exactly. Pun intended. Yes. Pun intended. Got it. I love that. So Brittany, I mean, there's so many places to start based on the conversation that we had, but let's kind of just go from the beginning and then we'll work our way to you starting the brand and talking more about the brand and and why you found such fascination with like puzzles and how they help you with self-care. But let's, let's go back a little bit and tell me about the Brittany Horn that was in that nine to five life? What, what was that like for you? Oh, and I'm trying to think right <laughs> right that because, Deep it, sigh. <laughs> I know, because it really, and I'm, and I'm honestly like coming to more and more realizations like recently of like, just how messed up like things were for me or like my thought process going through that entire situation. Um, but I think for me, so like, First of all, when I graduated um, from college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know where I wanted to go. I didn't, I was like, I told, and I kind of told myself, okay, by graduation, if I don't have a job, like I would have gone back home and stayed with my parents until I figured it out. But they had um, just so happened to move to Texas, like my sophomore year. And I'm from Maryland, by the way. And like, I just did not want to go back to Texas. So for, for background I went to Drexel University for design and merchandising and at the mm-hmm. time I was like I'm gonna do you know fashion merchandising or buying or something like that um I didn't know of any like major companies that were headquartered in Texas I was like well there's no point in me trying to like figure it out because at that point my thought process was okay I'll either try to like apply to a major retailer headquarters directly um, or I will try to work in one of their retail locations as like a, a sales associate and then kind of work my way up to the corporate environment from there. Cause at the time that was all I, all I had heard of, like those are the two best ways to get into some kind of like retail headquarters. So um, I was like trying to, I was in Philly. I was like trying to figure out, okay, either I'll find a job here or I will figure it out. Um, and I happened to have a friend who um, she had recently moved to Paris with her parents she went to the university, but then her parents moved and she decided I'm out, I'm going with them. And I was like- Wait, Paris as in the country? Yes, as in Paris, France. France. Yes. Because yes. she... we have a Paris, California. And I was like, wait oh. a minute. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Yes. <laughs> so she, she had moved to Paris, France with her family. And she just happened to mention to me how she had a couple friends there who were from the US, but were living in France as au pairs. And I was mm-hmm. like, hmm interesting right so she like told me about this au pair website where it was like essentially like care.com or match.com where you set a profile talk about yourself and then other families can see who may want to sponsor you they'll see your profile and um like reach out to you Mm -hmm. I said to myself okay I'm just gonna try this and see what happens like I set up my profile and I was like if a black family contacts me I'm gonna do it. Like I didn't I didn't think I didn't know it was gonna happen I didn't think it would but literally like that next day a black family contacted me and I was like, well, I'm going to Paris. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's kind this of is like... amazing. Okay. <laughs> Great. So, fast forward. So I, I ended up staying in Paris for like about a year. And then um, I got to go at it. There's more we can talk about there in terms of like things that I did, but in coming back, I was trying to still trying to figure out what I wanted to do um, like with my career and so I was working in retail. I was, I didn't, I had worked in retail several times, like throughout high school and college and like, didn't love it. But in my mind, I'm like, this is how I'll get to corporate, whatever. Um, and it just so happened, someone who went to college with me ended up working at, for Joseph A. Bank. I don't know if you're familiar, but like the men's clothing company. Mm-mm-mm. Okay. So, well, yeah, it's, I know it's, it was maybe primarily on the East coast, maybe. Okay. 
But um, she just ha happened to be working there and said that she was being promoted into a new role and then um, asked if I wanted to, if I was interested in being hired into her previous role. And I was like, yeah, because that just kind of basically like sped past my plan of like, okay, I'm working this retail store for who knows how long and then try to, you know, work corporate. So that's kind of, that is when my whole corporate journey started. And I will say like, I had no idea what I was getting into. I pretty much was looking for like the um, security, quote unquote, because there's not really any security working in corporate with layoffs and everything like that. But I was looking for the security of the steady paycheck, the standard nine to five versus, you know, the retail hustle of my schedule changes every week. You know, I don't know what my weekends are gonna look like. Mm -hmm. I'm on my feet all day. I'm dealing with crazy customers. Like mm -hmm. I was just looking for <laughs> a change in that way. And so from there, I just started to kind of like slowly but surely pick up on the different like um, politics and mm -hmm. microaggressions and stress and wanting to feel um, seen and, and have approval from your superiors and your colleagues and like just all this stuff and. I kind of also was dealing with realizing that I was underpaid. Mm, talk yeah. about it. Because yes. like, yeah, going from retail, you know, anything above a retail paycheck and a steady 40 hour a week paycheck was like amazing to me at the time. Mm -hmm. And then as I kind of like heard of other people who were leaving and getting better jobs and hearing what they were getting paid, I was like, oh yeah, I'm really not getting paid. Right. And so wow. it just so happened that, um, the company was bought out by another company. And so they were letting like 90% of the workers go and me, myself included. Mm -hmm. And so at that point I was trying to figure out, okay, where do I want to go? What do I want to do? Do I want to stay in like, you know, fashion retail, whatever, or do I want to shift? And I ended up changing, you know, cause originally my passion and my interest was in like apparel but the paycheck, I was like, I'm not trying to deal with this. And I'm also not trying to live in New York. I did that for my internship. I'm not, it's not for me. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not for me. The New York lifestyle is not for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, I ended up shifting my um, interest to be more so geared towards uh, salary. So mm -hmm. it came down to like a fashion company and a company that would, had nothing to do with fashion, but they were paying way more and mm -hmm. it allowed me to stay in the DMV area. Whereas the other one, I would have had to move to Jersey. And I was like, ah, I just don't want to do that. So at that point, things kind of shifted for me where it was like, okay, my focus now is getting to the money. Like I just realized one, how, how, corporations are structured in terms of your salary where it's like if you come in at a certain amount you're pretty much you're you're never gonna get where you really want to get or mm -hmm. it's gonna take you much longer to get to the salary you're looking for because yeah. you're only gonna get like a, a small percentage increase with each bonus and then some companies yeah. some companies will give you a yearly bonus just because like a yearly increase not a lot of them but some of them will and then a lot of times when you get promoted it's like maybe 10 to 15 percent off of your original salary. if you're lucky if you're and lucky. Correct. Mm -hmm. lucky. And so I realized, oh, I can make more money job hopping and getting brought in under higher, um, like higher titles than staying in one company, being loyal to one company and like working my way up. So mm -hmm. that became once I felt like I understood the game in that sense. And that kind of was like my focus and how I kind of jumped around from job to job and industry to industry. And yeah, that's kind of like, I guess the the main foundation of how of my story in corporate. What what or what was the response like from your community, your village? I will say that it was one of those things where like I'm I'm that person in my family. It's, it's kind of like they were they were shocked, but also not shocked because mm -hmm. I'm very different from my parents in terms of like their the way they think about things, the way they would go about things, like they are very much traditional in terms of, you know, try to, you know, work your way, stay loyal to this one company or like, you know, get it, you go to school, you get a good job, you know, and like, even my degree was beyond their comprehension, like fashion, merchandising, what, like, why not business? Why not a doctor? Why not science? You know what I mean? So I think I had already, like, they were already aware of just how I'm like, I do random things like this. <laughs> <laughs> not random things. Yeah, they, they like don't, I mean, they're of course nervous, like, and I think my dad's perspective was like, you grown, I don't get it, but you're grown. And then my mm -hmm. mom was kind of more nervous, like, I want to talk to the family. I want to make of sure. Of course. Like, 
in communication, like, you know, so she was more so nervous, but, you know, they gave me the freedom to do what I want because they trust that I can, you know, take care of myself. So they're definitely hesitant and, you know, concerned. And then my friends were just kind of like, what? <laughs> what? Are you sure? Not to mention, I had like just started a new relationship at the time, but mm-hmm. I was not about to let that keep me <laughs> from going. So mm-hmm. I like, love that. Yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm going to go. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah. So I want to say they were concerned or I guess like hesitant, but at the same time, like, okay. <laughs> I love that. I love that what you were saying for two reasons. The fact that you were like, you even said I had a new relationship because a lot of times we'll just be like, and you even see it on like TV shows, you know, um, just got into a relationship, but I have this opportunity. Like the kids, like I, this person got into college A and this person got into college B and they're like across the country. And a lot of times they'll usually have the woman Mm-hmm. end up following the man across the country, putting her dreams on hold, putting her life on hold, or, in, you know, just putting that person's priorities above her own in the sake of love and relationship and, and things like that. So I'm honestly, I just feel really proud, even though I didn't have a hand in this <laughs> at all. But I'm just proud that you were just like, you know what, I'm going to figure this out. And if it doesn't work out, ultimately, it's going to be okay. All right, so you've gone to Paris, you've had French fries and croissants and all that. I'm just (laughs) being silly. And so you've made it back and you're in this nine to five environment or corporate American environment. And you're realizing that this, the way this has been laid out for me, this is, this thing is just not, this thing is not thanking and it's not giving what I needed to give, period. And you learned how to kind of navigate that space and what made sense for you because I'll tell you I'm from the generation well I'm in between the generation like your generation of beyond is just like excuse my French I don't give a fuck (laughs) I'm gonna do what I need to do and then the generations before me was just like oh my god I've got to stay here forever I'm gonna die in this chair I'm gonna give them my best the best 65 years of my life or whatever it is and then I'm gonna retire and get my watch and (laughs) then I I I don't even know who the hell I am what I like what I want to do so now I've got however many years left I've given them my best years and now I've got to figure out now what am I supposed to do so I'm right in the middle of those two extremes right between you better keep that good paying job (laughs) and you know what screw that I'm gonna hop around and get this coin and that's what it is. Like I'm in the middle of that. So I, I was the person that stuck it out, like literally had two corporate America jobs before. So before in my past, I was like working, you know, Taco Bell, McDonald's, those kind of places. And then I got a corporate America type job or nine to five. I was there for literally maybe let's say 10 years. I don't have the exact years, same job, 10 years. Then went to my next corporate America nine to five job. And I was there for like 11 years or 10 years or something like that. So literally, and going through this, this all kind of shenanigans and not feeling complete in myself, not feeling whole, you know, just dealing with different things. And, but still just like, I got to stay here, but inside literally just like dying, like feeling like I was just dying. Like if mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, just like crispy, like (laughs) (laughs) crispy, burnt, (laughs) fried, just like, and I'm joking because it is funny, but seriously, like that's just how I felt like going to work, crying in the parking lot, crying on the way to work, like for days, weeks, months, as soon as I'm stepping into the place, just like my soul just like left my body and was like, sis, I will see you at 4.30 p.m. Come and, come and pick me up in the car because that's where I'm going to be. And I'm literally like leaving my soul in the car and going into this job. And so I'm wearing my F the Cubicle shirt, <laughs> Nice, by the way, which I started that brand like maybe 10 years ago or whatever it was. And that that's why I'm saying I was at both extremes because... In 2019, I quit my job. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I cannot. I literally, like, my body said no. Mm -hmm. I cannot do this, not another damn day. 
So I have not been in that environment since 2019. And I can tell you, it has not been easy. Mm-hmm. It has not. I have to say this for the people in the back. I'll say it again into the microphone. I'll whisper it. It has not been easy. It hasn't. That's just what it is. It hasn't been easy. But even though I'm going through some things, <laughs> I can say that at minimum, for the most part, my spirit feels more intact. Even though I'm facing all these challenges of trying to make this sustainable as I try to support this community that we're growing. Um, so yeah, but yeah, I was smack dab in the middle of both of those extremes. So I want to hear from you, like what, what was the deciding factor for you? What was that pivotal? And I'm sure you had several, but what was that, like that main, like the straw that broke the camel's back and you were like, you know what? Nah, I can't do this. And then also tell me like, what led you to starting Rebel Wellness? Literally, as I'm listening to your story and like when you decided you had enough is enough, like all those feelings of me and that day came back and it was like the mm. same thing. And like going back to what you were saying when we first started the episode about how, you know, we a lot of times we feel alone and that we're the only ones and that we, you know, other people, like we're afraid to share our stories because we just, we don't realize that other people are going through the same thing. Like I'm still kind of dealing with that too. And I, I want to say thank you for, for seeing a need for me to share my story because a lot of times I feel like no it, it won't help anybody or like mm-hmm. no one cares um and even if people don't care like I, I just feel like for me it's one of those things where I just feel there's not not shame but just kind of like oh we don't talk about this kind of stuff right mm-hmm. um but I'll say for me there was a lot that went into my moment of enough is enough and I'll preface this by, by saying that I didn't I didn't quit corporate America with the idea that I would never go back. I literally quit because I knew that I was about to break and I didn't think I'd be able to recover from it. Mm. And I knew that I just needed to do something different. And I I felt trapped. Like for years, I felt this this overarching feeling of, you know, I want to escape. I want to get away and not really knowing what that meant. Like I knew I liked to travel, obviously, but I, and so that for me was like my escape, right? It's like going to different places. And then um, when the pandemic happened and like, I can't go anywhere and I'm stuck and like these, I just felt this, just, I was being pulled down and going back a bit. So when was it 2020, 2020, I made the biggest shift in my corporate career by going into the, the tech industry. Mm-hmm. and number one I was I was super excited because I'm like oh this is where the money is I was like I have finally figured it out <laughs> like, like I was so proud of myself I was like I have because in my because I'm the kind of person I plan out years in advance I'm like all right I'm gonna stay here for this amount of time build up my resume then I'm gonna try to jump over here see if I can get them to give me this amount of a raise you know on top of my current like it was I had a system right and so when this job came along, I was like, oh, you just cut my plan in half. You know what I mean? I don't even have to do as much as I thought I was going to have to do. So I jumped at the opportunity and like, knowing that I didn't know anything about tech, but you know, the person that I was talking to saw something in me and she said, you know, I don't think people have to have necessarily the experience. They just have to have the mindset to be able to go in there and figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, I felt like this person had my back. She believed in me. I'm like, let's just see what happens. I get there and it is a world, like a whole different world for me from what I'd ever experienced in that in previous roles, there was a lot of passive aggressive, you know, um, incidents that, you know, don't make you feel too great, but at the same time, it's not in your face. And so you're able to kind of ignore it sometimes. This was the first environment. Keep in mind, this was at right at peak pandemic when the shutdowns just happened. I literally never stepped in the building. Like I worked there for, I think a year and a half all from home, completely new industry, new people, like trying to figure things out all from home. And people were just so rude and aggressive and mean and accusatory. And would t- literally, I felt like I was in high school because they would talk about you behind your back. And then all of a sudden I would get calls from my boss, like so-and-so said you did this. What do you need to tell me wrong? And I'm like, excuse me? Like, and then I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, give me an example. I can't give you an example. Uh. Oh, well, who said it? I can't, I don't feel comfortable telling you. So now my head is spinning trying to mm-hmm. go back to 
figure out what the hell did I say? What did I do? Mm-hmm. I'm like going back and it, it creates this, this inner, um, Hey girl, it's me, Bree, popping in to remind you that May is Mental Health Awareness Month. In honor of protecting my peace and mental health this month, I will not be hashtag booked and busy. Instead, your girl is going to be doing things that spark peace, joy, and creativity. Things like puzzles. I enjoy doing puzzles because they give me time to put my worries down and instead lean into rest and relaxation as I refill my self-care cup so that I can give from a place of overflow. Enter Revel Wellness Company. Revel Wellness Company is a small Black-owned puzzle company whose mission is to elevate the well-being of Black women. Their puzzles feature curated collections from dope Black female artists that are beautiful works of art you can frame once you're done and then use for home decor. For a limited time, Revel Wellness Company is offering 15% off to all the Brown Girl Self-Care listeners. Go to www.rvlwellnessco.com and enter code BGSC15 at checkout for 15% off your first order of a self-care puzzle. Again, that's rvlwellnessco.com and enter code BGSC15 at checkout for 15% off your first order of a self-care puzzle. a lack of trust within myself to where now I'm questioning everything I do, everything I say to the point where I, I have no trust in myself. I'm constantly seeking some sort of validation, some sort of like approval and also feeling like I'm never going to get it. You know what I mean? Um, and it really, really broke me. And honestly, I would have, I would have um, quit this particular role. However, I had, so I had just moved to Charlotte, North Carolina from Maryland and I had moved here with the intentions of, you know, buying my first home, you know, having children, like growing my roots like this as a person who was a nomad and never found a place that felt like home. Like Charlotte was the first place I visited that felt like home. And I was like, all right, I felt I just felt called to be here for some reason. And it took some time. Mm-hmm. Um, but like eventually I, I made it down here. And so I had just I had bought my first house. We got in there really good time because now the housing industry is ridiculous. Um, or the housing market, but like um, we were under contract, me and my husband were under contract for our first home. And I was terrified that if I quit, I may lose my loan or, you know, something would happen and it would fall through. And I was like, I have worked too hard. I've saved too much. I've sacrificed too much for this house. It's my house. It's a brand. Like, I was like, I don't, I don't want to lose it. And that was the only thing that kept me there. Mm-hmm. But when I tell you, it was one of the hardest times of my life because I was literally like, so at the time, um, working from home, no one was set up to really work from home. So I just kind of had like a desk next to my bed. Um, I would literally roll out of bed super early in the morning, not even like brush my teeth and eat something before I was on my laptop, check, trying to get a head start on the day, trying to get ahead of things that I knew were probably going to blow up that day because literally every day something was going wrong every mm. day. And knowing that, like waking up, knowing that something like, like bracing myself for something to go wrong, it was horrible. Like there were times where I just, I wouldn't think about eating. I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave my chair except to go to the bathroom. And even that I would put off as long as possible. Like I had meetings back to back to back to back to back. Like there was just no time or space like thank thank god for my husband who would be able to just come in and just like leave a plate of food on my desk and then you know walk out and I'm just like oh there's food here like not even like seeing you know what's happening there were times like and I would just I would cry mm-hmm. like there were so many days where I would like get out of a meeting and then just like roll over onto my bed and just weep because mm-hmm. it was just it was just such, I was so miserable, like just dealing with people who had no like sense of compassion, didn't care that I was new, just like, I was literally a scapegoat, like people, and I saw it as time went on, how like when other new people would join, they would kind of use them as a scapegoat too, for other reasons, but like, I could just see how things were blowing up all over the place, and they needed someone to blame, like the, the culture there was very much this is going wrong. Whose fault is it? So they can get yelled at by superiors. Like that was, that was the whole thing. 
Who showed you that it was okay to aim high and go for your dreams while also just being yourself? For me, it was radio host Big Boy, Oprah, and KTLA news reporter Gail Anderson. In part, these people are the reason why this podcast specifically exists. This is the power of Black representation in media. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is more than a podcast. It's a celebration of Blackness from NPR where every voice is as distinct and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In this collection, you'll find stories of joy, resilience, and empowerment. Each episode, a living account of what it means to be Black today. From the intricate narratives of The Wire to the wisdom of Michelle Obama and the urgent call for reparations, Black Stories, Black Truths really is the truth. Space wasn't always made for our perspective, so NPR's new collection is necessary as it celebrates the richness of the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get podcasts. Feeling more grounded and relaxed is Black girl peace for me. And so I really need that while doing things like uh, tackling my to-do list or even braving this crazy LA traffic. If you know, you know. So something that helps me tap in is Recess Mood. It's a delicious sparkling water made to enhance your relaxation time and mood without any alcohol involved. So what you will get instead is real fruit, mood lifting magnesium, and stress balancing adaptogens. And again, no alcohol plus no added sugar. So I've tried all the flavors and I really, really like strawberry rose. It's like um, a little burst of peace in the middle of chaos because again, for real, navigating this Cali traffic is insane. Now, recess mood is not only my go-to for staying balanced while on the go, but it's also good for chilling at home too. It's like having a little slice of relaxation right in the palm of your hand. So next time you need a little pick-me-up without the alcohol, without the hangover, give recess mood a shot. It's been a fantastic addition to my routine. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com forward slash self-care and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. My hair is kinky, it's coily, it's beautiful, it's all the things, but the dryness is real, so it's also prone to feeling parched. This is why Waze Anti-Frizz Cream is my new BFF. It not only changes frizz, but helps my hair feel more hydrated. Listen, summer is coming. We are trying to be outside, going to brunch, plus traveling, and summer activities aren't always kind to our strands, okay? So let me tell you what I do for this. I wash my hair every one to two weeks. Don't sleep on Waze Detox Shampoo, by the way, if you have hard water or buildup. I detangle, I smooth in a little of the Waze Anti-Frizz Cream, then shingle in my natural gel. My hair is frizz-free, it's hydrated, and it's cute for days. Love sleek styles? Waze Anti-Frizz Cream works as a heat protectant up to 450 degrees as well. Frizz-free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code SELFCARE for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com, promo code SELFCARE. So thank God um, I, I knew, someone new joined my team who was like my senior and I call her like my sweet baby angel because she legit like saw me struggling and just like kind of swooped me up under her, her wing and took actually took the time to explain things to me, to just tell me like, hey, like this is how things work. I see this is how, this is your approach. Like, let me give you some tips on how to go about this. Like literally like, and it's, it's and to give you some like other background. So basically like I had, I, I would have one-on-ones with my boss where she would be just downright cutthroat in terms of like, you're not performing the way I need you to perform. Like you need to figure it out, like figure it out. Mm-hmm. What do you need from me? And I'm like, well, I, I need you to kind of help me break. Like she would always say, I'm here if you need help. But then when I would go to her for help, she would, she, her realm of assistance was like within these three boxes. If it didn't fit like these quick check the box type things, she wasn't going to be able to help me. And she just expected me to figure it out. And so again, me feeling this internal pressure of like, oh, she took a chance on me. She believes in me. I can't let her down. Like I got to figure this out, like all this stuff. Thank God this other person came in and she actually was like a mentor, a guy like who helped me. So I had a meeting with my boss where she was just like, you need to connect the dots. Just connect the dots. 
And I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know what the dots are at this point. Like I can't identify dots to even begin to connect them. And then even when I do see dots, like, you know, like with most connected dots, like there's no, they're numbered, like there's an order. Right. There's <laughs> like, an order. Yeah. You're essentially just shoving a bunch of dots in my face and expecting me to figure out what the picture is. And I have no idea because there's no, there's no order. Mm-hmm. This, this person came in and she helped me connect the dots. And so she would literally sit with me, like we'd be on the phone, like on teams meetings, like at six o'clock, seven o'clock, like she would stay up late with me, get up early with me. Like she was in my corner so heavy. Like if it was not for her, I don't think I would have made it. Like, I really don't think I would have made it, but she was able to help build me up to where like I was, I knew what I was doing and I was good at it. And those same people who were extremely rude to me, who were talking on behind my back, who were criticizing me, they all came back and ate their words. Like, as I was leaving, they all were just like, you know, like, I'm sorry I gave you such a hard time, but you really have done a great job. And like, you're such a great, you know, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, thanks. You know what I mean? No thanks to you. Right. Um, so that's, so that's one thing. So I ended up leaving and trying to go to another um, company in another tech role and at the time I knew I didn't love tech like I knew I w- it wasn't something I was passionate about but again in my mind I'm going for the money right I'm like who cares if I like the job I like I like the paycheck right so I'll suck That's it up I was gonna ask you like wh- I was gonna ask you why if you if you knew this you want to like tech wasn't for you what motivated you to keep going and literally it was just the money it was just the money because in my mind, I felt like that was always important. In my mind, this is what everyone like, because when you get in the corporate environment as well, I didn't realize until I left like the first, like uh, the first company, all of a sudden I was in this new world of comp. It was more competitive. Mm-hmm. Like people would talk about, like they were very much more flashy and like talking about the things that they had and the places they lived, especially like in the DMV area, like, oh, like I'm over on this side in this apartment. And like, I do these things on the weekend and, you know, and like, I just got it in my mind that I had to reach a certain level by a certain age. Otherwise I was inadequate. And so mm-hmm. I was trying to force myself to get to this place. And honestly, like growing up, I didn't have a lot of things that I was passionate about in terms of a career. Like there wasn't anything like from day one, I knew I was going to do this or I really wanted to do that. Like it was just kind of like, oh, this seems cool. Like I didn't, I really couldn't figure it out. Um, And so that's another reason why, like, I was like, well, I don't really have anything I'm drawn to, but I do like, you know, the paycheck. So I'll go, I'll continue this way. Um, And so, so, but like, again, like going back to that feeling of still feeling trapped and that I didn't know what I wanted. Cause, cause before I left that one and went to another one, I did try to figure out like, what else could I do? Like, I was definitely talking to my therapist heavy. Like, I don't know what I want. I feel like I've reached a certain level to where I don't, I don't even know where I could go. Like, I feel like if I were to shift, I'd have to start over completely. Mm -hmm. And that is something else in corporate America. Like, it's just like a subconscious thing where it's like, you never go back. You can never take a step down. Otherwise, your peers are going to be looking down on you and think you're inadequate or think you're, you know, stupid or couldn't handle it. And so like that feeling, that pressure, internal pressure I had on myself to not shift or start over is also what kept me to just just keep moving forward, keep moving forward, always forward and up and onward, all that good stuff. To your Um, detriment. Exactly. And I even like I talked to a a career coach and she was no help. Like she I was I was expecting when I talked to her for her to be able to actually give me examples of potential careers that made sense. That would that would let me carry over some of my skill set from previous roles, but translate them to something that I actually cared about. She did not do that. She Mm -hmm. essentially was just like, well, what do you what did you like about your last job? What did you not like about your last jobs? Okay, take that and find a new job. And it's like, lady, <laughs> I've been knew what I liked and didn't like. like if I knew, the problem is I don't know what careers are out there. Like I don't, I've been so tunnel vision, you know, in this space for so long, I have no idea. And I did all these personality tests and, and job tests. And it's just like, I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. And so I just, I was like, all right, this will be the next one. I'll try it out. Like, maybe it'll be better. Like, maybe my experience was this bad because of the company that I was at. That's what's in my head. So I get to this next place. um, And I should have seen the red flags just in the whole hiring process. Like, there was a lot of ambiguity in terms of what my role was, what my, you know, products were that I was managing, like, who are we working with, my team, like, everything was just kind of ambiguous. 
Um, but I was like, well, you know, everyone seems nice. And like the person who hired me seemed like she had my back. So I was like, I'll give it a shot. Mm-hmm. I get there. And of course, three months after I'm there, the person who hired me ends up leaving to go to another job, another company. And so I never had a true onboarding process. I never had a, I, I wasn't even working like, I guess, like in a steady um, schedule or whatever, because things just kept, things would change every other day and not, it didn't seem like it was working towards, like the company itself was just completely unorganized. And it was a smaller company trying to figure out how to be a bigger, like how to do things like my bigger companies would. And, but they were still just like, in a shit show trying to figure it out and I'm just like I don't know what's happening um but I'm just here like I'm you know I'm doing what I think I'm supposed to be doing um but then I just started noticing and it took a while for me to put two and two together but I just started realizing like so my the new boss that I had I just assumed that she realized that I have been in this weird ambiguous place and I expected her to kind of like get me to that point of where I had a steady stream of work, steady process or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I would have like one-on-ones with her weekly and everything seemed fine. Like she didn't have any complaints. She oh, didn't gosh. say anything, you know, that would make me think that I'm doing anything wrong. Right. Then I started noticing a couple times after, like shortly after our one-on-ones, our director would call me and, you know, he's the kind of person, he kind of talks in circles he's really fast he talks all over the place he's like yeah I'm da, da, da. he's like yeah you know Sue says she has concerns I'm like, I, I get it like you should be running this and, da, da, da. and I'm like okay like because at the time I'm just like that's fine if she wants me to do this I'll do it like I didn't realize I was supposed to you know what I mean and then it happened again later on where he had said similar like he never came out and said like you're underperforming he just said like yeah like I think here's some tips on how to like you know be better with your manager and I'm like why are you Where's giving this me coming from? Yeah, because when I literally talk to her every single week and she's not she telling does. me anything. Right. Lo and behold, so my six month review comes up. And keep in mind, like since starting, like I've now changed two managers, haven't had a steady workflow, haven't had a steady team that I'm used to working with. Like everything is is just all over the place. She if I honestly feel like she like Birdman rubbed your hands before that. <laughs> because the way, the way she started that meeting where she was like, okay, you're not doing this. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. I would expect you at your level to be doing this and you're not doing this. Wow. And she had like this list. And I'm like, honestly taken aback. Like I'm, I was confused. Like that's how, that's how much it's caught me off guard. Cause I'm like, wh- and I said, to her, I'm like, where is all this coming from? Like, mm-hmm. literally, like, we've talked, and I've said to you, you know, if you think I could be improving this way or that way, like, let me know. And she's like, yeah, okay. And so when she waited to, like, tell me during my review, I was like, I went through so many emotions. I went through, one, that feeling of, again, I started having PTSD of, like, going back to that last role where I felt inadequate, where I felt like I wasn't doing things right, but didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. And like, people were talking about me behind my back. And this time it was my boss, you know what I mean? Like, as as harsh as my last boss was, at least if I was doing something wrong, she let me know. Like, she let me know instantly. So that way I at least knew I should be trying to figure stuff out. This woman wouldn't tell me and waited until it was time for a review and would tell other people. And I'm like, this person does not want me to succeed. Like this person does not care if I succeed. This person has no stake or investment into my future within this company. This person mm-hmm. is ready for me to go if, 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 if I so choose. Like she's, she's ready to see me fall basically. Mm-hmm. And so again, I went back to that place of questioning my thought process, questioning my decisions because it was literally like the rug had been ripped from underneath me where it was like, I'm going through day to day thinking I'm doing fine. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, you're doing horribly, you know? And that really messed with my head. That that messed me up so bad. I started having like mini panic attacks. I would be like literally just like sitting down and like, I, I, you know, when you're walking and sometimes your knee gives out all of a sudden, like that feeling of like, Oh, I'm about to fall. Like that would happen to me every day constantly to where I would close my eyes and take a breath and I'd be like, <gasps> like it was, it was awful. And like, I just was trying to figure out like, okay, Brittany, are you going to go back to what you did the last time and try to like figure it all out and no sleep and, you know, just doing everything. And, and I tried for a little bit. I tried, 
But then I realized like, no, like it's not worth it to me, right? Like I, I had to take, I felt like I had lost control and I had to put myself first and, and take more control of my life. And remember that, like, I told myself last time, I was like, I will never let this happen to me again. Like, because at this point, I have my house, I have everything I want, like, losing this job, it's not gonna keep me from getting another one. I knew that much, you know what I mean? So I was just like, I don't need to be here with someone who clearly does not care about me at all as her employee. Like, I would think as, as a manager, you at least want, like, if your team looks good, you look good. This mm-hmm. person takes no accountability for her team because she's like, it, she's allowing her team to look bad and is also talking bad about her team to her superior. So she clearly does not care. Mm-mm. And going back to those red flags again, like I remember when I first started, like I would have one-on-ones with people trying to get to like, you know, introduce myself and I could just feel this overall sense of dread from certain people where like they weren't enthusiastic. They were like, oh, you know, got all this stuff I'm doing. Da, da, da. Like I could just sense that from them. Mm-hmm. But again, I was like, eh, you know, I'll wait and see what happens to me. Nothing's happening over here. So I would just ignore it. And mm-hmm. I would talk to my boss, the, the first one, and I'd say, hey, like, should I be concerned? And she's like, no, you know, we're making changes. Like we're shifting it. Da, da, da. And I'm like, okay. Next thing you know, someone just quit. Oh, so someone would just quit. But yeah, you know, they just weren't able to do their job effectively. Like, you know, they mm-hmm. just had to go somewhere else and leave us with all this stuff. And I'm like, huh, okay. Then a month or two later, someone else ups and leaves. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, so what, what's up with it? Well, that person just wasn't listening. And like, I told them not to do this and they just kept doing this and they wanted to do things their way. So they decided to leave. And I said, okay, like making mental notes, but again, not not positioning it to see that that would eventually happen to me so Mm -hmm. again and I say all this to say like this is all kind of what helped make me get to that point where I was like I am no longer doing this at least not here like I need to I'm going to break and I do not think I can I don't think I'm strong enough to build myself back up or or I don't even I don't want to have to be strong enough to build myself back up from another breakdown like I just want to leave before it gets any worse and that that is what I did so now you're in this place where you're just like okay I've gone through all the things and I'm just completely over it like I'm just I'm just over it so where does um Revel Wellness Co come in yes so Revel Wellness Co came in at the second to last job so the first tech job that I had where I was extremely depressed not knowing what I wanted to do not knowing not losing my sanity losing my sense of self um, I was really like working hard with my therapist to figure out like what, like work, just trying to work through it, work, work through all of it. And it happened around the time when I, that one coworker came in and was starting to help me figure things out. And I also had gotten another, a new manager who was way more, um, helpful, <laughs> who was able to like, you know, have my back in ways that were super like beneficial and reassuring to me. So I was on an uptick, I was on an upswing, right? Where I was like, finally in more control of things happening. I knew what was going on. I was figuring it out. Like I had built myself up, right? Um, for years, I had wanted to start a business, but I never knew what I wanted it to be. And I never felt confident enough to really follow through with it. And this again, goes back to like, uh, and for everyone who doesn't know, like I am a serious mental health advocate. Like I recommend everyone go to therapy, like absolutely everyone. I've helped everyone in my family who would listen, find therapists. And I tell my friends and it's like, because for me, I have never had more of a sense of clarity than I did when going to therapy. Like, you know, growing up just feeling so lost in terms of not really knowing who I was or what I wanted or, or why I felt a certain way. I've been able to kind of work through that in therapy. And so, you know, my therapist was really helpful in helping me realize that I am capable of doing more than what I thought I was. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I had friends who were encouraging me to do different things. And so what happened was one day I was literally just kind of like dealing with, you know, all those pressures of work and feeling like I was lost and, and like struggling to really to, to get back to myself because work, I like ate, slept, dreamt about work. Like Tech is, is, at least in my particular role, like, or what I've seen, it's, you don't just, like, clock out and work is done. Like, you are on, essentially on call every single day because if a system goes down, somebody's got to fix it. And you have to be the person making sure it gets fixed. And you never know when it's going to happen. So that, like, 
constant anxiety of like, what's going to go wrong? When's it going to happen? Like, I didn't feel free to do anything because I was always like worried something was going to happen or I was always trying to catch up on something over the weekend. Like, I just was not my, I lost myself completely. Like, I didn't do anything for fun anymore. Um, I didn't know how to have fun. Like, my husband would be like, oh, you want to go for a walk? No. Like, I just had this, this overarching feeling of dread and like not wanting to do anything. Um, and so I was just like trying to figure out like, well, I can't be the, I'm just thinking like, I can't be the only person, you know, struggling with the, just the pandemic alone, but also just like wanting to do something at home. Right. And so I just started researching like, what were people doing, you know, cause the pandemic or being stressed out. And I saw that people were puzzling. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I heard that, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Like it was something I kind of resonated with really quickly because I used to, I used to do puzzles with my grandmother as a kid. And it's something that she still does to this day. Like she has her own puzzle room full of puzzles that she does. Like it is like a signature, like the first, literally the first thing I think of when I think of my grandma and she's been doing it like literally like as long as I can remember. So it made sense on that level. I had a personal connection to it. And so I started trying it myself. Like I started ordering all these different puzzles from different puzzle companies. I was trying them out and I was noticing like things that I liked about certain puzzles, things that I didn't like. And as I started doing them more and more, I was like, oh, like this is, it became addictive for me. Like I was like, oh, I really enjoy this. Like I would get excited the next time I got a new puzzle in the mail and like I would get to open it up and start putting it together. Like it became my me time. It became my time to like, it, it gave me something to look forward to finally, which I hadn't had in such a long time because I was just so overwhelmed with work. It was finally something that now, like, I am excited to do this. Like, I'm still not comfortable. I wasn't comfortable going out the house that much because it was still peak pandemic, which I guess I feel like we're, the pandemic has always been at peak. <laughs> we just kid ourselves to say that it's going up and down. But like, at the time, I was like, I'm not trying to go out. And also keep in mind, like I was new to Charlotte, so I hadn't really established like a, a community here either before the pandemic. Um, and so like, it just kind of gave me something to do. So from there, I started trying to think, huh, like I don't see, like in choosing the different puzzles that were available, I'm like, I don't see a whole lot of images that I necessarily connect to on right. a personal level. Like there's not a lot of black people on these puzzles. Like the imagery is something that I relate to, like they're pretty, but I don't necessarily relate to it. And that's kind of what got my head spinning in terms of like, okay, like, well, what if I, what if I changed that? Like, what if I did something that I could relate to that I would like? Because another thing too, for me personally, when it comes to puzzles, I always initially pick a puzzle based on like, would I hang this up as artwork? Like, that's like in my head. It's like, will I hang this up in my room? No. Okay. Keep it moving. Like, because for <laughs> me, when it comes to puzzles, like I put a lot of time into putting, like I'm a slow puzzler. Like I don't just get a puzzle done in one day. Like it takes me a couple weeks, a couple months sometimes. And the idea of breaking it all apart when it's done is like, no, like I just, I just spent 15 days putting this exactly. thing together. <laughs> and then I tear it down in 20 seconds. I always want to like it's like an extension of the experience too because it's like okay you put in that last piece it's like oh look what I accomplished right like Mm -hmm. it's a it's a serious like you know mood booster and like just kind of confidence boost to be like like, I I did this like I put all this together like by myself I did it like so framing it afterwards and hanging it up is like an extension of that whole experience and that I found so I would literally like buy frames like as I was getting closer to being done with them like it was like a ritual for me honestly Mm -hmm. And, um, but again, going back to realizing like there wasn't a whole lot of images that I really connected with. And so I just started researching like how to start a puzzle company. Like what would I do? What would my, you know, niche be? Like, what would I try to, like, how would I try to make it different for others? And something that I noticed, like, as I'm realizing number one, like, okay, I can try to have more modern imagery that people my age, people who look like me, uh, who maybe have a similar experience as me could connect with. I also was realizing like, you know, when I first started, I think I, my, the first one I, I got was like a 500 piece puzzle. Mm-hmm. And I remember feeling overwhelmed <laughs> when I, when I first opened it, cause I was like a lot of pieces here <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and you kind of don't know where to start. You know, you're like, okay. So it's a little, it's a little overwhelming when you, when you first do it, but I was, I was determined, right. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to do it. Start with the edges as usual, like work my <laughs> way up. And so when I was thinking about how I try to make things different, I realized like, I don't, I don't want, I, I'm sure there's other people out there who think to themselves, like, I don't have time to do a puzzle. It's too much, too many pieces, too much work. 
Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how I was like, well, how can I make it more accessible to people to where, you know, you don't have to start with a 500 piece puzzle. So that's where the idea of like the, the lower piece count comes into play. Because for me, not only did I want to provide like number one, positive imagery of black people, black community, like something to just kind of spark joy, but also I didn't want people to be afraid to try it. Like, cause in my mind, you don't have to have a lot of time. Like if you just want like a mini wellness break, like just something to just, just like on your lunch break, like, or just like in between, you're really busy, but you just need that moment to yourself. Like have a 48 piece puzzle for you that you can get done in one lunch break or not. Like it depends on how much you want to put into it. But like, I just, I wanted to encourage people to experience the same sense of joy and like the same sense of like, okay, like this helps me disconnect from everything else and reconnect with myself with this activity. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of, that's kind of how it all started. I love that. And I was going to ask you going back to when you went to your grandmother's house and she had that, the room of puzzles, Mm -hmm. her puzzle room. I can totally see. I can even smell it. It probably smelled like (laughs) cocoa butter and puzzle wood pieces, um, leather and uh, (laughs) um, what, what, if you could sum up the feeling in one word of your time that you spent with your grandmother in in that room doing puzzles with her like in one or two words like what what would that be it's interesting to think because thinking back on it like and this is something I had spoken to someone else with because they asked me like did your grandma ever tell you why she puzzled and I'm like no <laughs> like we never really talked about the why it was just mm-hmm. kind of like this is what grandma does and I'm here, I'm doing it with her. And that's just the thing. But like thinking back on it, I do remember it being just kind of like a sense of like calm and a sense of normalcy. Mm-hmm. Like having that thing that was kind of like a staple or like a, a constant where it's like, if I go to grandma's house, I know there's going to be a new puzzle on this table. And I know that if I ask her, she will do it with me. Oh. So just having that sense of like, this is, you know, because especially as kids, like you need consistency, you need structure. Mm-hmm. And so I do know that just having that, that staple or that, that connection with her, I don't think I realized it at the time, but looking back on it, I can see how that sense of normalcy, being able to go over and just know what to expect in that sense mm-hmm. was good for me. I love that. It sounds like that was just like a safe space. Yeah. You know, you can go to grandmama house. Mm-hmm. You probably make you a little snack and you you just go, you're in this, it's almost like a, just a really like a s- sacred space or just, I don't even know, just this refuge. You know what I mean? You've dealt with different things at school, you know, how school can be kind of rough and mm-hmm. you just go there and you just have this calming environment where there's, you know, I'm assuming like no fussing and just that out the outside world is just left outside. And it's kind of like, you just have this little like I said, refuge or whatever, where you can go. And I love that you said it just, it it provided a sense of like normalcy because I feel like that's something that was lacking for a lot of us, like in our childhoods and in our young adulthoods, you know, just having that sense of routine and normalcy. So I I love that. I love that. Um, So now you have your beautiful puzzles and you're building this brand out. Is that kind of like the sense is, is is that what you want to bring to the users? Just like this normalcy and, and, and joy that you experienced when you were like a kid? It's more of, it's yes and no. It's, it's kind of twofold. It's like, I want people to, because I feel like a lot of times we only associate puzzles with those childhood experiences. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, I did this as I was a kid or like my kids do this. It's like a thing for kids, right? But I don't think we realize the mental health benefits that are connected to it. Like going back to that why, we don't realize why this is a, a good thing for kids to do or like our grandparents to do. Like, and so I think as millennials or like generations in between, we kind of don't see ourselves in that mix. Like it doesn't seem like a product for us that would really benefit us. And so for me, I want to help people one, tap back into that, those feelings of when you're a kid and just kind of like having that sense of, you know, you're not really worried about too much, you know, as a kid, like, you're just kind of like, oh, like, this is the thing that I'm doing. But I want you to also realize, like, this is, this is a positive, like, a a positive activity that was going to help you 
de decompressed. It's going to help you feel good, feel better. And it's also going to help you pour back into yourself. So a lot of times like going back to the accessibility, like having those smaller piece counts, I look at it as like an entry point, right? To someone who may be hesitant or like only has one view of a puzzle. It's like, oh, all these pieces, my grandma does this, like, it's not for me. Like, so I have the smaller piece counts to help you if you're afraid or hesitant to do too many. I also pick artwork that I feel like we can connect to like on a personal level. So that's why you see every single artwork that I choose, I had felt some type of emotion or connectivity to it in some way, whether it be, you know, the colors made me happy, like the, the hairstyles, like I felt like I saw myself in the artwork, um, whatever they were doing in the artwork, like my brunch puzzle, like that one just makes me think I'm going to a spa, you know what I mean, or a really nice hotel, and I'm just in my robe, you know, just relaxing, like it makes me feel good to look at it, and a lot of times I feel like we are conditioned to feel like self-care is like going to a spa, or going on vacation, or getting our nails on, and these things are nice, but like, they don't necessarily, like there's been plenty of times I've gone to a spa and could not relax because my mind was spinning on either like what happened the day before, what I have to do after, you know, like emails I got to get back to, or just like, you know, because I'm so used to running around in my mind all day thinking of all these different things, I get into a spa and I'm like almost freaking out because I'm just like having all these thoughts and I can't even enjoy what's happening, you know what I mean? And so one, and it's, and it's expensive as well. So like we may not always be able to afford to go to a spa whenever we're stressed out. But mm -hmm. a puzzle is something where it's affordable. It's something you can do in your own time. You don't have to go nowhere. You can just open it up and it forces you to focus on something else. And it kind of takes your mind to a different place. Because mm -hmm. if you're going to get it done, like you really can't just be thinking about a bunch of other stuff. Like you're, you're seeking out these pieces, mm -hmm. you're putting them together and you're also releasing dopamine every time you do. So it's like, you're already kind of like boost, uh, boosting your mood. Like it's kind of like meditation. Like you're in a meditative state where you're just focused on this one thing and nothing else. And I just wanted to show black women specifically like that this is an option that I don't think we, we realize. And so that's that's kind of my whole goal is to just say like, hey sis, try this. Like just try it, just try it. You may, like it's, it's different. Like it's something you may not have thought of before. And that's that's something that could help you. You know what I mean? Like going back to my experience and like, just thinking of how excited I was and like having that thing to look forward to and being able to slowly start to connect and, and to myself and disconnect from like the stress of work that I hadn't, I hadn't been able to do that in over a year. You know what I mean? At, at this point, I just wanted to be able to do that for other people. I love that. So as we wrap up, Brittany, I just want to, first of all, give you an, a moment to let the people that are watching this video or listening to the sound of our voices on the podcast, like where can they find you? How can they support you? Where can we find you online? Give, give us all the deets. Yes. So you can find us online at revelwellnessco.com. Revel is spelled R-V-L wellnessco.com. Um, same social media at revelwellnessco, R-V-L wellnessco. That's on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok. Um, we're also doing some fundraising right now, crowdfunding, trying to grow and expand the business. I want to be able to work with more artists. I want to be able to um, grow this brand and be able to reach more Black women, be able to teach more Black women about the benefits. And it takes money. So all the support is, is appreciated. Um, if you believe in the mission, which is just to help bring accessible self-care to Black women, that's that your help would be amazing. All right, and I'm back. What did you think about today's episode? I know that I will be taking away really big parts of the conversation with me, including just remembering that it is okay for me to take a chance on myself, to take a risk and take a chance and see what happens. Um, I'd love to hear your takeaway, so feel free to email me at connect at browngirlselfcare.com and let me know what you thought. Now, two things, okay? Number one, the first announcement is for the month of June, we're going to have our Soul Care Sunday again. However, this month, we're going to be doing a puzzle and sip event. Yes, you have heard that right. We are going to tap into our creativity this time, and we are going to put a puzzle together, one of Brittany's puzzles. So if you'd like to participate, if you know you have been missing like that sense of community, you've been going around feeling isolated, you haven't been able to connect with other black women, you just want to feel seen and feel supported, 
and also refill your self-care cup and do it in a safe space, this is the event for you. It's going to be fun. So go ahead and go to browngirlselfcare.com, click on the events button, okay, and go ahead and hold your space and purchase your puzzle. And you will need to do it in enough time so that Brittany will be able to mail the puzzle out to you. And it will take a few business days. So because of this, I will not be able to have the tickets open, you know, just a few days um, in advance of the event. I'll have to close down the ticket sales in enough time so that Brittany can get the puzzles out to you for the event. So if you know you want to do this, if you know you want to be... Uh, in a space with other black women and you know you want to connect with me live and in person, again, go to www.browngirlselfcare.com. Go to the events tab at the top. Scroll down and you will be able to find June's Soul Care Sunday Puzzle and Sip event and you can get your ticket there. So that was number one. I hope to see you. The second thing is I want to remind you that if you would like to listen to this episode in entirety, in its entirety, and or you want to actually watch the video, plus you want to have access to bonus brown girl self-care content, and you want to do it because you want to support the brown girl self-care platform and community that I am trying to build out for us, then go to patreon.com forward slash brown girl self-care. Again, that's patreon.com brown girl self-care and show your support for the show so that I can continue to create a safe space for black women. All right. Okay. So that is it for this week's episode. I appreciate you listening. I hope that you have an amazing week. Continue to prioritize yourself the way that you deserve. And I will see you on the next episode of the Brown Girl Self-Care Podcast.